Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And good morning. Welcome to Wednesday's Cork Today. Our lines are open 0818-103-103. You can text or indeed WhatsApp to 0862-103-103. Just staying on the weather, that status orange weather alert for Cork has expired now. Uh, but road users are being urged to take extra care this morning in the wet and windy conditions that do remain. A very blustery weather will continue until later this afternoon. Until around three o'clock, that status yellow wind warning is in place. And there is still reports of trees down in many areas so just be careful on the roads many of those we reported earlier they have been cleared by now we also have electricity outages in many parts of Cork Uh, over 2,000 homes and businesses are without electricity in the Bantry area now ESB networks are working on this and they're hoping to get electricity restored there by 11.30am also ESB networks are working on restoring power in Castletown Bear in Timaleague Kilbritton Barry Row and the old head of Kinsale while electricity was restored earlier this morning uh, to those who were without it in areas of Glengariff and Douglas but that was restored at around 8 o'clock this morning so if you are without power uh, ESB networks are working to restore that and uh, between 10am and midday is the estimated time for a lot of those areas I have mentioned but good morning to you hope you are well on this Wednesday ahead on the show we're going to hear from one Cork dog charity and they're very worried at the moment about the amount of abandoned dogs Uh, that are being rescued right across Cork. At the weekend, a person came across a lurcher dog uh, that they found in a very bad and distressing condition. Now, we're going to chat with Cork Dog on the show this morning. And this is all coming back uh, to something that happened in 2020. Uh, when those lockdowns uh, came into place, people, uh, for some reason, decided we'll buy a pet. And when searching around the country for a dog was the main pet of choice. Uh, but now that everybody is back working, we have seen an increase in dogs being abandoned over the last year. That has continued. But now we're seeing a lot more of injured dogs lying on roadways, which we can only presume were abandoned. And then either were walking around themselves, getting hit by a car or something like that, uh, that they end up in this condition. We'll find out more. Uh, shortly on the programme about that uh, Cork dog uh, are worried and also distressed with what they are seeing uh, right across Cork City and County and places on school transport for the next term in September well they're already causing problems because some areas who got an extra bus to deal with the demand last year it seems looking at the tendering for buses this year coming for September they will lose that extra bus we're going to hear more about that later and also you'll be well aware the price of coal has increased as has 
all solid fuels with the excise uh, duty and the carbon tax which is on those and that's due to increase again uh, twice uh, between now and the end of the year uh, but as a result coal smuggling is having a major impact on businesses in the Republic of Ireland as coal now can be purchased cheaper in Northern Ireland than the Republic. We're going to speak with Solid Fuel Merchants of Ireland, a spokesperson on how on social media you can seemingly easily find someone selling coal at a cheaper price, that coal coming from Northern Ireland. Also, outside of that, there's websites offering deals uh, from coal and people seemingly are driving up themselves and stocking up on items on solid fuels, mainly in Northern Ireland, because they don't have to pay the high rate of tax in the North than we have to do here in the South. But also, outside of all of that, uh, smokeless coal is still cheaper in the north but so is smoky coal because the smoky coal ban that is in place in the Republic of Ireland never actually came in in Northern Ireland there was a debate on it last October but they didn't implement it and they said they weren't going to go along uh, with a whole island approach so you can still buy smoky coal in the north as well which is obviously causing problems then from those here who are all by obeying the laws and all the coal merchants cannot sell smoky coal here so then if you want that type of coal uh, you can still purchase it but in Northern Ireland we'll be discussing that later I already see texts coming in from people who do still prefer uh, smoky coal even though they say themselves they are aware it is bad for the environment but they think it heats their home uh, better than smokeless coal. Anyhow, we'll get to those comments between now and one on the show. Your views are welcome. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And are we now at a point in Ireland where we are almost afraid to celebrate our Irishness? It's a question posed for a new stage production which is coming to Cork, uh, coming to the every man. And we're going to chat to the man behind this production, Tommy Marin. Uh, and he's asking and posing the question, are we afraid to express our Irishness because we may offend others? Your views are welcome on that also. And President Biden, well, he's going to visit the Republic today and we're going to hear about preparations which are underway in County Louth this morning ahead of his visit this afternoon. Uh, our sister station based in Louth and Meath, LMFM, will be speaking to our journalists there later on what is happening in County Louth. A lot of excitement there today and after 12.30 Peter Dowdall will be answering your gardening questions. So that and more to come between now and one and your views as always are welcome to 0818 103 103 Bernie standing by taking those calls or you can always text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. You can email across the show corktoday at c103.ie and I did mention there about President Biden visiting well What's been reported this morning is that he is promising a fresh economic support for Northern Ireland. And this is all on the condition uh, that they sit down again and talk to each other. Basically, that's restoring uh, the power sharing at Stormont. Uh, The British Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak, he is expected to respond by offering a host and to host an international economic conference on Northern Ireland in September. If that does go ahead, then the government here is also willing to make a financial commitment to the North as will then uh, the British and indeed EU governments. Uh, But it all goes back to the Windsor framework and basically uh, this will hopefully persuade the DUP uh, to help solve the impasse and sit down with everybody around the table in Stormont. Of course, you would have seen, I'm sure, pictures on news last night and indeed uh, in many of the papers this morning of uh, President Biden landing uh, shortly after 9.20 in Belfast. He was greeted by uh, Mr. Stunak, the British Prime Minister, 
on the tarmac in Belfast and he will be there today at the university in Belfast and then he will uh, go south and uh, go to Loud and of course he'll visit Banana later in the week and be in Dublin tomorrow morning so a lot of uh, preparations underway there at the moment in that part of the country and we spoke about this at length I think over the last year and this was the trolley service on the trains mainly the Cork to Dublin train a lot of people were missing this people going to hospital appointments in Dublin or visiting people on hospital in particular were very upset at the removal of the trolley well I'd be glad to know yesterday morning the T-Trolley made an unofficial return to Irish Rail Services between Cork and Dublin. Passengers who were on that train got a, a nice surprise when the trolley came down uh, the aisles of the train offering tea. Now Irish Rail themselves has said this basically is a training exercise and they won't have full uh, offers on the trolley but they are going to train uh, people into this service and full restoration of catering will be rolled out over the next few weeks but it's good news at least uh, the tea trolley if you do use uh, the Cork to Dublin train it is making a comeback and did yesterday morning and this is something that uh, we spotted on the papers this morning but also Joe Heffernan our regular councillor has spoken about this and we could be seeing the removal of some medicines from pharmacy and this really is to do with medicines that contain codeine because people are getting addicted to codeine. So the likes of Nurofen, not Nurofen Plus, I know you must nearly get it, I think it's a prescription for Nurofen Plus and they will not give that to you, but the ordinary Nurofen, the, the one without the plus, that one itself that could be made prescription only along with Salpidine is another one that could be made prescription only. Our reports are coming out uh, last night and this is coming from the Department of Health uh, documents that were seen uh, and these documents basically show that there's too much of a, a reliance on codeine uh, right across Ireland that people are buying these products just f- for codeine and not really, they don't have any pains or anything, they just get addicted to codeine. Uh, it was documents released to prime time under the Freedom of Information Act and the reclassification of codeine from the over-the-counter to prescription uh, would be in line with other countries. And there's a, a kind of an international trend on this uh, because New Zealand and Australia, they have moved towards prescription only for the likes of Nurofen and for the likes of Salpidine. And it's going to seemingly come into play here as well, all because people are getting addicted to codeine and there's a number of other painkillers on the market that I'm sure will always and also come into review uh, but these are the current measures that they are, have been spoken about anyhow and they're the two most popular brands I suppose in Ireland that people seem to go to uh, so we'll have to wait and see when that kicks in but it is something the Department of Health are looking at and it does look like they will uh, make a push now for those uh, medicines to be prescription only and a lot of uh, talk this morning on artificial intelligence I'm not too sure how you feel about AI. Uh, there's uh, reports in many of the papers and indeed online this morning uh, about how it is seemingly going to start taking over people's jobs in many industries, not just the, the ones you would think, but in many industries are going to be affected by this. But this is something uh, that may be of interest because we often talk about customer service and poor customer care, uh, mainly with telecommunications companies. And now it seems that the telecom operator Air, well, they have agreed a 1 million euro deal with the tech consultancy company Explo and they are going to help improve their customer service at air 
by using artificial intelligence and robotics technologies. Uh, seemingly for a lot of the requests made to AIR's customer line, uh, this will eliminate the need for customers to actually speak to contact service agents. Now, some would say if you can get to speak to one anyway, you're doing well, but this will seem to rule out you needing to speak to someone. Basically, a lot of common requests include moving address or you know adding someone onto the bill so they can be authorised to talk about that bill when you deal with them either online or on a phone, uh, changing an installation appointment date and so on and so on. And what's going to happen is when you ring up in the future, you'll be speaking to this uh, robot, artificial intelligence person, AI, and instead of you having to wait on the phone, seemingly your request will be dealt with there and then, and that can be done online or you will be talking basically to a machine rather than to a person on the phone who will solve this for you. Now, I think some companies are already doing this when you ring, well, you always know when you ring a call centre, you're going to get the press one for this, press two for that. Uh, But if you want to get something done like a change of address, they will say press three for a change of address and you more or less are doing the job yourself. You're you're more or less uh, speaking to a recording machine or an answering machine and leaving your address on this that will be picked up later by somebody who will do the job. Anyhow, interesting that AI is going to be informing part of our customer service not in the next five to six years, in the next year or so. That's soon. And very finally, uh, Tupperware parties. Who remembers having or going to a Tupperware party? Well, it seems uh, there are no more and the Tupperware company themselves are failing to impress younger customers to purchase Tupperware. Uh, the 77-year-old company who is producing and inspired Tupperware parties from far back as the 1950s, uh, they basically are trying to stay afloat and are doing anything they can to get funding into their company to stay open. Uh, they still sell uh, an amount of Tupperware, but I think they're coming under competition, first of all, from a lot of discount stores who were selling Tupperware, but not their Tupperware at a cheaper price. And also, a lot of people now are gone green and aren't using plastic. And with the demise of plastic, it is affecting Tupperware. But as everything changes as we go on in life, Tupperware parties, did you host one? What were they like? Did you attend one? Uh, what went on? Was it just, it seemingly these Tupperware parties, you went along and you purchased Tupperware. Was it that what it was all about? Uh, let us know. It'd be interesting to hear your uh, thoughts on Tupperware parties if you hosted one or went along to one. Uh, call Bernie 0818103103 or you can text or indeed WhatsApp 0862103103. On the way, we're going to hear from the Cork Dog Charity Dog about their worry at the amount of abandoned dogs that they are rescuing right across Cork and an incident over the weekend on that poor lurcher dog uh, that was found in a very bad and distressing condition. We'll speak with them next. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork today at c103.ie. Today on C103. An animal welfare group shared pictures over the weekend of a lurcher just two years old who passed away in their care after being found with severe injuries. Now, Cork Dog says it's the harsh reality of abandoned pets. And Katie Hogan joins me from the animal welfare group this morning. Good morning to you, Katie. Hi, good morning, John Paul. How are you? I'm fine and thanks for joining us. So this came to highlight, uh, first of all, because there was a concerned passerby who noticed this dog. Yeah, yeah. This this dog came in from um, an area within Cork um, by somebody who also had, 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 had 
kept an eye on local dogs in that area for us. Um, and she picked him up and he was um, brought into our emergency vet late in the evening time. And it became very apparent what kind of injuries he had received, um, which, you know, were either as a result of an accident or as a kick or a hurley or something. But he was he was in, in very, very poor condition. And what kind of condition was he, if you can describe it, without being too graphic? Um, from what we could tell from a vet, he was a very young dog. He was also very underweight. He was he was a lurcher, um, and his eye socket had been um, was was broken and crushed, and his jaw um, was smashed into, into bits. So he would have been unable to eat, and he would have been in absolutely serious pain. And if that person did not come across this dog or pick him up, I mean, could he possibly would have died on the streets? Oh, absolutely! Yeah, yeah. There wouldn't have been. I mean, uh, the level of pain, or he would have died, gone back into whatever yard or or, or site he came from, and would have just died in the corner, um, very very quickly. Yeah, the level of pain he would have been in would have been intense. And you went along and you did your best for that poor lurcher. As I mentioned, unfortunately, you know, you, you can only do so much for him. Yeah. Uh, and he did pass away. I mean, it must be heartbreaking for, first of all, you as dog lovers and then the work you do to see this happening again and again, because we are yeah. hearing of abandoned dogs uh, being found you know, on the mm-hmm. side of streets, in country roads, in laneways. And a lot of this seems to go back from a time where during the lockdowns, people wanted a pet and it was all about getting a pet. And, mm-hmm. you know, the dog was a choice of a pet. And now because everybody's back to work or getting back to life again and going out for uh, social occasions, they don't want this dog. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's, the, that's the bleak reality of it really right now is we are finding um, a lot of dogs who were kind of became accessories through COVID and kept everybody comfortable and kept everybody happy at home are now um, excess. So they are, I mean, in, in, I, I just suppose on a positive note, some of them are just being handed into us and they're well and they're happy and they just need to be rehomed. But a lot of them um, are being dumped or are, I mean, sadly, we know that a lot of them are still sitting in yards and in sheds in people's gardens, kind of um, rotting away. Um, and we don't ever get to see these cases. So it's, and the, I mean, obviously we're lurching from COVID to um, the the housing crisis. And, and this is also opening up um, a whole new range of problems for us because people, landlords who don't accept pets, um, are insisting that new new tenants are have to give up their animals. So we have that on top of the COVID crisis also. So it's an ongoing. So you're going to have a situation where we, we, we know that people are being evicted and they're aware of this themselves and they're getting ready to go to a new house. But yeah, that's a good point. They can't bring the dog with them. So yeah. outside of people who just don't want the dog anymore, you're mm. going to have an increase over the next six months to a year of people who just simply can't bring a dog to a new home. Hugely. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that we're only kind of beginning to, to, to see what that is coming down the road um, to, to us. Is These are much-loved pets. These are pets who are much wanted. And some of them are, you know, 10, 11, 12-year-old dogs who cannot move with their um, tenants. And it, it, that's, that's a huge problem because obviously those dogs are harder to home. 
um, they're you know it's it's, it's heartbreaking um, for the owners who are who are surrendering them, and it's heartbreaking for us to have to pick up pieces of those dogs and try to rehome them. And while um, some so, are so good and they will yeah. go along to the likes of yourselves and hand the dog in and explain the situation, yeah. can you ever get your head around those then? that will leave a dog abandoned in a shed or leave a dog loose somewhere whereby the dog has to fend for themselves and ends up getting injured? Yeah, no, no. We, I, well, personally, I can never wrap my head around this. I mean, this is, I mean there's obviously different types of dogs. The dogs who were picked up during COVID and who were bought off breeders during COVID and the breeders had a great time during COVID. They just bred away and sold pups to whoever they wanted to. But um, the hunting dogs, the lurchers, the hounds, the um, the working dogs, those dogs have, this isn't new for us to pick up these kind of dogs. These dogs are forever um, at the bottom of the pile when it comes to welfare. Um, but uh, the, the, the latest would be kind of more designer breeds that are being surrendered into us. Um, and I suppose in, in a good way, those are easy to home, the cockapoos and the, the fluffy um, white dogs. But the the harder cases would be the lurchers with the broken legs and the, you know, broken souls that come into us and they would always have been mistreated in yards, in on sites around the place, in gardens, in sheds. Um, the unseen kind of cruelty. Yeah, and it's the unseen cruelty that, thankfully, due to yourself and, and the work you do there, that, you know, people can actually hear about that and hopefully put an end to this because I saw one of your social media posts over the weekend. I mean, one of your group was saying, what's the point of even trying when we are fighting a losing battle? It must be very disheartening for members, not only for Cork Dog, but other animal charities right across the country who were going out, doing their work, you know, trying to home these dogs, trying to look after them. And then you get a case like this. Yeah, all, I mean, this is going on years. I mean, I've been um, involved in Cork Dog for 12 years now and every year we lurch from, from crisis to crisis. Um, there seems to have been no kind of let up where we're going. God, is this thing going to be over now? Are we are, are, are we in the clear? Um, it just seems to be getting worse. Um, animals seem to be more more surplus. Um, or And... and um, you know, it's on. It's across. It's across the country. It's not just a monster, not just a cork situation. It is across the country. All well, all sanctuaries are struggling with with the surplus dogs at the moment. We don't know where they're going to go. We don't know uh, what we're going to do with them. But we continue to take them in day after day after day. So it is. It's 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 very very difficult. What's the point in keeping going? Because we have to. The the, the dogs keep on coming. And I know we'll never understand why humans do this, but uh, while this story and, and this poor dog ended mm. in tragedy, you mentioned there that others that are uh, given to you do end up mm. in homes. So there is some positives at least happening within your work. Oh, yeah. Oh, we have we have like every every there are there are always small wins and there are dogs that we think we might never home and all of a sudden the most perfect home um, comes up to them so um, yeah there, there are little tiny wins every day there are losses but there are there are great wins we have we have great people taking on difficult dogs that might not necessarily get a home so um, that's kind of what keeps us going there are very there are a lot of positives um, and seeing the dogs there's there's no such thing as there's as a dog that can never be homed um, I, I it's it's very rare that we see a dog that that would be with us for for long long time there's always a home for every dog it just it could be t- could take time but it does 
yeah. So I mean, there are very there are great positives. We see we have great happy endings. Yeah, and, and that's good to know. It's just a, it's a shame that people, you know, who really wanted a pet, get a pet and then uh, leave the pet out or abandon a pet like that. It's very sad to see that happening in today's world. But well done to you and the work yourself in Cork Dog and, and others do right across uh, Cork and indeed the country. And I'm sure, no doubt, we'll be keeping an eye on this when the new pandemic of dogs that can't go to new homes will happen over the next year. It's going to be a busy six, mo- six months to a year for you guys. It will be, and I mean, what I would, would like to say, John Paul, is that um, we are always, always looking for foster homes. We need foster homes um, for dogs that, to, in order to assess them. These would be experienced homes that would take in a dog for a week or two weeks and assess them, see how they are with a family, see how they are within a home. And that is that those are gold dust to us. It's a really, really good foster home. So if people could offer their services for a week or two weeks, take in a dog, rehabilitate a dog and then it, see it moved on to its forever home. That that would be, that is hugely important to us. That's, that's what stops us taking in new dogs. And how can they contact yourselves if people want to, to help out or even donate or get involved with your oh, group? Go online to Cork Dog Action Welfare Group and, um, and all of the information is there. And we have a Facebook page too. We're very active. Okay, Katie, I appreciate that. Best of luck to the work you do and hopefully things will improve uh, over the next while and more people will get involved for the moment. Thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you, John Paul. Thank, Thank you. you. Katie Hogan there just outlining the reality from Cork Dog on what they are seeing uh, firsthand. Dogs being abandoned and that awful case of that poor lurcher uh, what that poor dog had to go through and eventually uh, passed away. But that is what is happening out there and the reality is going to, I suppose, in a way, uh, for the next six months to a year, uh, get worse in some regards because of that issue with those who were leaving the home they are in, must find a new home but may not be able to take their pet with them. Some will hand them over to to a dog charity some may not and some who don't want a dog because they got them for the comfort of those lockdowns are just abandoning them on the roads anyhow it's awful to think that is happening but it is uh, your views are welcome 0818 103 103 uh, Bernie taking your calls across the show you can always text or indeed WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 Call Patricia with your comment 0818 103 103 Cork today on C103 We received calls from parents concerned about school transport for the new school term from September. Already issues are arising it seems and Councillor Frank Roach joins me this morning uh, with an area of North Cork where there's an issue already. Good morning to you Frank. Good morning John Paul. Uh, this is from the Kildari area and I do remember last year there was problems here as well on this route and wasn't it a third bus, bus was included in the end? Uh, That's right. What's happening this year? Well, but I'm being told by parents is that uh, they've been told already that there's um, a shortage of seats. And um, now I rang around last night and uh, they have taken their money for this year and they have got receipts, but they've been told that there'll be shortage of seats. Now, when we had this problem last year, there was only two buses on the route. But um, after the protest and after the, um, when we highlighted it, they hired uh, a third bus. But seemingly, the parents are telling me that they haven't uh, organised the tour bus for this coming season. And the buses go out to tender usually, and the tender request will have got in by now. Have you seen anything by way of no. how many buses have been asked or tendered for? I haven't seen anything, but the parents are telling me that um, the, 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 the department has told them that there'll be a shortage. So even though the parents have paid up for the new school term and they've got the receipts and they've been told that, yeah, you paid, you are paying for something that you might not get. That's right. 
that doesn't make much sense, and though, from the department's point of view. That was the problem last year as well. Because um, some of the PMs actually were refunded money last year. That they had it paid, but they were refunded it. Now, they had no problem in paying for it. And this year, they have no problem in paying for it. But like, they're just worried and they're stressed at the moment in case that the, um, the, the service won't be available for the coming season. So, really, we could see the same problems we saw last year in many areas of Cork, not just Kildallery, but many areas whereby people went along, you know, as you mentioned, paid for their school bus route, and then come September, no bus. Well, that's exactly why we're highlighting that at the moment. And like, I don't want to end up uh, next September standing above in the street in Kildallery at, at quarter to eight waiting for a school bus, wondering whether it'll come along or not. And like, this is the problem that, that we have, um, that people don't think ahead or the departments don't think ahead. Like, if they don't organise sufficient seats, we'll call it, uh, we will be above there again next September. And that's what we're trying to avoid. And have any of the bus companies who operate on this route, have they heard anything from the departments? I, I wasn't talking to, to any of the bus companies because in fairness, um, they, they don't, I suppose they don't know themselves. Now, I do know that there's plenty of buses available uh, because like in Kildare, if we talk about Kildare in particular, there's a bus company who actually filled the gap last year. And I'm quite sure if, if we spoke to those that they, they might have a bus, they, they obviously have buses in the air, so they, they, they will do it probably. But um, I wasn't talking to them, and because um, the families are concerned at this stage. Yeah, because they don't want, uh, like what happened last year, people waiting on the side of a road, or else we had a lot of families, as you're aware, Frank, who were going to work, and you might have two children going on one bus, and another child then who would have to be driven to school because there was no room on that bus for the other child. It was splitting families yeah. and, and dividing communities. Well, sure, look, we had it in Glenville and County Cork as well. Mm, yeah, um, I remember. Glenville had been on to me as well, but Kildare would be naturally enough to close the one to me. But, um, like, in fairness to the, pay- the payers at the moment, they're like, they're responsible and they're trying to solve it as well, the same as myself, before we will come to a crisis. Yeah, it's no point doing it in September when it can be solved now. And Glenville was the one where the two young lads, we spoke to them on the show, uh, they drove a tractor from Glenville to Formoy to prove and to show that this was the only way they could actually attend school. Well, I know they did that. No, I, I, I wouldn't approve of driving tractors into school grounds because I don't think that... Um, well, I think they, it wasn't into the school. I think they were near enough parked to the school. I don't think they were driving into the grounds. But they, they had to prove a point that they had no way to get to school other than driving a tractor. It was the only way they could get education. I understand that and I know it well. But you know now young people in tractors and the danger and all that. Mm. We don't want to put young people in danger because, look, 16-year-olds can be a little bit giddy at times and... You know, a bit of bravado and things like that. You could very easily have a tragedy. Well, I, I don't think those lads were, were, were like that. But at the same time, this is what will happen if the departments or those involved don't get their act together. I mean, people have, will have no choice but to take the law into their own hands to get to school. If that, I mean, you are, I think, as in a 16, frankly, you can drive a tractor. So if students can't get to school, if the parents are working, if they miss out in a bus place because it's still up in, the, in a heap, even though we're in April now, you think plans will be in place uh, for September when the schools will be breaking up in May for secondary. We could be back in that situation. 
Well, sure, that's exactly and you see what I see in the private sector we plan ahead and we look ahead yeah. and we're normally planning two or three months ahead what I find in the public sector we always have to wait for, for, for a complete emergency before there's anything done now we're acting at the moment because we don't want an emergency in September but we will have one at the way to stand at the moment I think we will yes and, and have you any solution yourself to this I mean do you think they should just go ahead and, and issue the three buses or or what's well, your solution for that area? The minute they solved, the minute they issued the third bus last year, they solved the whole lot. We had no more until now again. Um, the third bus will definitely solve it. But it looks like if parents are hearing that they won't get a seat or not guaranteed a seat, at the moment you feel it's just two buses and you'll have to fight for the third one. Well, at the moment it is only two buses, yes. So the fight is on to get the third bus the again? The fight is on and the fight is But like what we're doing this year is we're fighting earlier because we want mm. the problem solved and we want to put people's minds at, at rest. Whereas last year uh, we were above on the side of the street and waiting with the school bags and then the children with us to, to get them on buses. Yeah, I know a bus uh, turning up for them. Okay, we'll wait and see what happens. Well, in fairness, when we did put in the effort last year, we did get the third bus. You did? And I do, I do think by highlighting it at the moment and putting a bit of pressure on, I do think that... Um, Yeah, that you have to go to this link to get the pressure on so that they will respond. Yes. Okay, we'll wait and see what happens in the Cadollar area, Frank. Thanks for highlighting that and joining us this morning. I wonder, is that an issue in other areas of Cork as well? Have you paid and are you being told from Bus Aaron, isn't it, or the school transport department that even though you have paid, there's no guarantee for your child to get a seat on the bus? Let us know. You can email corktoday at c103.ie. You can call Bernie on 0818-103-103 or text WhatsApp 0862-103-103. We spoke earlier Earlier to Casey Hogan from Cork Dog on that a poor lurcher dog who uh, was rescued. A person found this lurcher in a very bad and distressing condition. Unfortunately, the dog passed away. Casey uh, was telling us about the impact this is having on their service, on their volunteers, but also something they are seeing a lot more of over the last number of months and will see more again over the next six months to a year because of people who are leaving their home. They may be renting home for sale, can't bring the dog to a new house, so it means the dog will either have to go to a care home like what Cork Dog do or unfortunately some may just abandon the dog and they can see a pandemic of this happening over the next year but on that a lot of commentary in regarding that story first of all on on WhatsApp someone just telling their story that they rescued a dog their dog's name was Daisy and two years ago they rescued the dog and it was actually two years ago today and they say this dog has given us so much love and you can tell she really appreciates the home we have given her. It's not without its challenges because she can pee all of a sudden and because she is afraid this is why she does that. Also sometimes she is too afraid to come to the door so we need to be patient with her but it is worth it. We tried so many times to rescue dogs and were passed over because we have children. I think the adoption process can be too difficult at times. I understand the need for the rescues to be cautious but surely there is a trial system or something that rescues could be brought in this way, says that person on WhatsApp. And Anne 
who was listening to that chat with Katie from Cork Dog says uh, hi John Paul and Bernie that is just heartbreaking listening about the poor dogs being cruelly treated and abandoned these people should be fined I lost my beautiful Labrador to cancer in October and I rescued her from a bad place I'm heartbroken still I can't understand the mentality of these people uh, and hello to you Anne and sorry to hear about the loss of your dog because they do become part of a family and it's it's a death in the family when you lose a much loved pet uh, so we are thinking of you Anne and as you say you're heartbroken but like we did ask Katie how do you get into the heads of people that do this and hurt dogs they go out of their way uh, to hurt an animal and what is in their mind that they go ahead and do this anyhow uh, some of your calls and comments on the abandoned dog situation that is getting worse right across Cork and indeed not only here in Cork but across the country and I mentioned earlier about Tupperware parties and how they were iconic in the 70s and in the 80s and did you go to one did you attend one well Anne was on to us another Anne and she says yes I did go to one and she feels that these Tupperware parties were a great excuse for ladies to get together to call over to someone's house have a few glasses of wine get away from the children and the family leave the hobby do all the work and you can have a break for an hour or two sometimes the Tupperware party was the only way you would get a break from the household and see your friends things were so hectic uh, for many families <laughs> there you go thank you Anne uh, for your WhatsApp to 0862103103 if you were like Anne did you attend the Tupperware party and do you feel that's what they were all about uh, not much Tupperware uh, being purchased according to uh, Anne I've got more texts and comments in first of all someone unhappy and doesn't show the real Ireland a few texts on this regarding the rough sleepers who are being removed today from the Phoenix Park in Dublin because of President Joe Biden's visit to Cork today until 1JP with you Bernie taking your calls and comments on 0818103103 you can text or indeed WhatsApp to 0862103103 and ahead we're going to be asking the question are we here in Ireland at a point where we are almost afraid to celebrate our Irishness our heritage, our traditions, do we feel uh, that we are offending those who maybe have come to live here or others? Well, it's a new production that is coming to Cork to the Everyman. We're going to speak to the man behind this, Tommy Marham, before midday very shortly discussing the issue of coal smuggling and why people are going north to purchase their coal because it's cheaper. Uh, less excise and taxes on the coal there. Of course, they not or they in the north have not introduced uh, the smoky coal ban that has been introduced in the Republic of Ireland so some people are going up for the smoky coal and this could be why because a lot of people have got in contact with us on this and we'll speak with uh, Colin O'Hearn who is representing everybody across Ireland who, well the Republic that is anyhow, who are involved with solid fuel merchants. Uh, This on text first of all says on the smokeless coal this person feels it's heatless. It doesn't heat the home. If the temperature does not go or get to the right point while going into the circulating pump it won't pump water to the radiators and that is no good. Uh, What is the point of pumping cold water around the house so that person feels smokeless coal does not do the job uh, Patrick is in McCroom. He says under the Constitution there is a free movement of goods and services between the North and South. Residents of other European countries cross borders to find cheaper goods and there are only a few suppliers of coal here so they have a monopoly on fixing prices. Uh, Patrick says there is no heat also out of smokeless coal anyway. Patrick in McCroom and John is in Mallow. 
Uh, he feels that because the Greens are in government that Eamon Ryan brought in uh, this smokeless coal and prices now are gone mad as a result. Uh, he feels the Greens are causing most of our problems and the government uh, needed to keep the Greens happy to stay in power. Now we are in a situation that we are importing briquettes from Europe. How good is that? Says John in Mala. We are discussing that issue shortly on how so many are travelling north to get their smoky coal, even though it's banned here in the Republic of Ireland, but also the impact it's having on solid fuel merchants because of those who are basically profiteering out of this as well, running a business on social media, setting up websites where you can go on and purchase either smokeless coal or smoky coal at a lower price than you can get it from your local coal retailer simply because the taxes are lower in the north. They haven't put on the amount of carbon taxes that have been implemented and is going to go on again. And I think there's two more increases on coal before the end of 2023. That hasn't happened in Northern Ireland and they haven't banned the smoky coal. So uh, that's why people are going north and that's why there's others out there who see an opportunity to supply this to people who cannot go north. Uh, discussing that shortly because it is impacting on genuine coal centers though here in Cork and indeed across the Republic of Ireland. Uh, your views are welcome. Like those people, though, do you feel that smokeless coal does not heat your home and that everybody should have a right to travel north and purchase what they want because we have that freedom of movement north and south? Your views are welcome. 0818103103 or you can text or indeed WhatsApp to 0862103103. And a lot of people have been in contact with us regarding Uh, The rough sleepers who have been asked to move from the Phoenix Park. This is one uh, text here, first of all, saying it's so sad to see those rough sleepers being asked to move from uh, Phoenix Park because of the president of America, Joe Biden's visit. Ireland never changes the mentality of sweep it under the carpet. It just prevails throughout political and indeed government life. These people are here every day. Well, Joe Biden is only here for two or three days, but of course it is all for show. And yes, you're right. This was happening yesterday, whereby the Dublin region homeless executive had been visiting a knowing campsite that is situated on a road near Phoenix Park because tents and more have been removed from the park and homeless people living in the wooded areas of Phoenix Park now have to relocate in preparation. First of all, for the park's closure today to facilitate the uh, US President's visit to Phoenix Park and also what will go on then for the next number of days. But as a result, those who live there in Phoenix Park is their home, unfortunately, while they are the ones who are being moved. I do presume the homeless charities are working with them to bring them to a safe location and they're not just leaving them somewhere else because otherwise they're just going to be outside the park or still nearby. I'm not too sure how that is going to work, but I do presume all those uh, charities that work with homeless in Dublin are, are finding a location for them. Anyhow, a lot of people are unhappy with that and feel it's not fair. Uh, while on Joe Biden's visit, Jay is saying, uh, does his visit to Ireland explain why Russia ships are off our coastline? Are they sending a clear message to Ireland that Big Brother is watching you? And we know exactly what you're doing. It's what Shay is asking. Uh, well, I don't think, I think they're more interested in those, uh, what we're seeing by way of media reports of those underground cables. Uh, which are connecting 
the states and Europe by way of internet and more and they are fearful they could be watching those because they are located off our coastline here in Ireland so I think they're more interested in that than what or who was coming to visit Ireland because President Biden has said the main reason for his visit is to ensure that peace remains on the island of Ireland uh, and are, are Russian ships watching? Maybe they are but I think they're more interested in that uh, connective cable that runs underneath and uh, near the uh, coastline of Ireland. Also on that, a number of texts in asking about a NATO warship that was spotted off Woody Island yesterday and we did contact the Defence Forces as did others uh, but they were saying this French vessel which was part of NATO it's seemingly it's anyhow uh, according to the Defence Forces it's sheltering from the bad weather that we are experiencing at the moment and nothing more to do with anything else it's just sheltering from the bad weather and that is why uh, that uh, NATO warship was spotted in Bantry Bay and off Woody Island uh, yesterday afternoon and maybe still there to morning. Uh, thank you for your text to 0862103103. Yesterday we were speaking about the health service and indeed uh, the waiting times in A&E and people trying to get to A&E and people ringing an ambulance and the ambulance taking an hour and an hour and a half to get to their home place and uh, David Hall of Lifeline Ambulance Service was saying that what they should do in the A&Es because Cork is the worst hit uh, when it comes to stats and figures he got. Uh, now geographically it's a, a big uh, county and, and that could be one of the reasons but because of the impact and because of the timeline of an ambulance to leave CUH or the Mercy and get to areas like Rock Chapel or New Market or the Barrow Peninsula or Sheep's Head or wherever they're going on the outer areas of Cork it is having an impact on health but then this led to a texter this morning regarding the South Dock uh, service that they were ringing over the weekend. And this was on Bank Holiday Monday. This person says I rang South Dock at 8am last Monday and I got a call at 1 o'clock and I saw the doctor at 2 o'clock and this doctor sent me to Bantry Hospital. However, I told the doctor that I had rung Bantry Hospital myself and they told me there was no service there on Bank Holiday Monday. However, the doctor insisted that I go. And so I went to Bantry and wait for it. I was told there is no service here. So trusting my wife's instincts, we headed to CUH. Now, yes, I had an infection spreading fast, so time was important. A doctor within the AAE unit in CUH spotted this and acted fast. I got amazing treatment in CUH and I was admitted fast. So waiting six hours for South Dock and then sent to a closed clinic what can I say? Trust yourself, says this person who was living in the Beira area and drove themselves to CUH. And I hope you are better now and I hope indeed that the infection is being treated for you and you're in a better situation than you were on Bank Holiday Monday. It just goes to show, uh, the, first of all, the impact and the stress our health service is under, but also... Uh, being sent to a closed clinic and you took matters into your own hands and and glad you did. Uh, Thank you for your text on that. And finally, Anthony is in Mill Street. Can we help Anthony out here? Basically, he has a lot of electrical goods that he wants to recycle. Now, initially, we would say go along to the local recycling centre and the We Ireland is located in many of those and they will recycle them for you. But Anthony feels he does not want to dump them in these locations because he says there's a lot of reusable components uh, that could be reused and it would be 
be ashamed to see them go to waste. Uh, so if he has old hi-fis or radios or TVs, that some of the units in that could be used up again. And again, if he goes to the local site, he feels they won't be reused. Now, they'll be recycled, but he wants them reused. Uh, now, it's, I was chatting to Bernie about that. It's like one of those shows you see on daytime TV where they bring something in and they fix it up for you and they use a component from one old electrical item and put it into another one and they refix it up. So something like that Anthony is looking for. If there is some place in Cork you know of, let us know. Uh, off the top of my head, I don't know. And it's usually we recycling, we uh, tell people to go to. But Anthony does not want to go down that route. So if you can help, let us know. Call Bernie 0818 103 103 or text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Now, a lot of people on to us regarding electricity and yes, uh, ESB networks are out and they are working to restore electricity. The status yellow wind warning is in place until three o'clock this afternoon and there is a number of areas of Bantry still without power but ESB networks working on this. They hope to have electricity restored uh, very shortly there in the Bantry area. Also, ESB networks are restoring electricity to areas in Castletown Bear, Timaleague, Kilbrishen, Barry Row and the Old head of Kinsale. Electricity and power should be back to you there uh, shortly in the next hour or so. And of course earlier uh, they did restore power to areas of Glengariff and indeed Douglas but ESB networks are out working that awful weather and uh, you will have your electricity uh, restored to you I would reckon in the next hour or so if you're in those areas and you don't have it back at the moment and they are doing the best they can in the weather that is out there at the moment. We'll be discussing coal and coal smuggling next. See what Three Jones Agri, they have a vacancy for a general operative at their premises in Bally Desmond. You can email your interest to jonesagri at gmail.com. A sales assistant is required for O'Flynn's Footwear in Mallow. Email your CV to O'Flynn Footwear Jobs at gmail.com. A fully qualified stylist is wanted for McCroom. Full or part-time hours are available. You can email your details to studiom.mccroom at gmail.com. And Cork's 96FM and C103 is recruiting a junior business development executive. This is to drive new business acquisition and identify new revenue streams. You can email your CV and applications to hrmanager at c103.io. You'll find these jobs and more online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork Today at c103.ie. Today on C103. Coal smuggling is having a major impact on businesses in the Republic of Ireland, solid fuel merchants have claimed. Colin O'Hearn is from the Solid Fuel Merchants of Ireland group and joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Colin. Uh, good morning, JP, and thanks very much for having me on. Well, thanks for joining us. I suppose this is mainly due to the cheap cost of coal in Northern Ireland compared to the current cost here in the Republic. Correct. Yes. We, so we have coal uh, that's in. So just to give you some uh, background on it, uh, um, coal, smoky coal, bituminous coal is now banned in the Republic of Ireland. It is also banned in the UK, but it's not banned in Northern Ireland. So basically what we have is we have coal coming into the country, um, which has a very little vat on it, has no carbon tax and high sulfur levels. And it's causing, causing horrendous problems for legitimate fuel merchants. 
And then, as you mentioned there, Northern Ireland didn't go ahead and ban smoky coal back last October yeah. while it did happen here in the Republic. We get calls from people who would rather smoky coal than the smokeless coal. And many of them are openly saying, you know, they can go to Northern Ireland for this because it is still on sale up there. They did not change their laws like we did here in the Republic. Yeah, and this is where the problem lies. And so basically what's after happening is um, all our merchants um, are after changing in line with government policy. Um, so we cannot sell this coal anymore. And unfortunately for us, we have no enforcement, no regulation. Uh, this coal is freely available uh, on social media. It's available door to door and it's also available on other social media platforms. It's causing us horrendous problems. And I don't blame the people because in a lot of incidents, coal is five euro to six euro a bag cheaper. So the fact that we have changed in line with government policy and no one is doing anything about it. And that's where the major problem for our members occurs. Then those who are buying smokeless coal, if they are purchasing it from those who were bringing it from the north and selling it here at a cheaper price, I mean, the government have admitted there is going to be a huge difference as we go on across 2023. And this is due to the different taxes on solid fuel in the north, hence why it's cheaper. Are you calling for the authorities to take action and stamp this out? And how would they do that? We are. It's illegal. It's in law. I mean, a coal that's coming in that is carbon tax and VAT fraud. I mean, it's an issue for the revenue. It's an issue for local authorities. It's an issue for the government in total. So we are calling on the government to work in tandem with local authorities, with the revenue and with on Garda to clamp down on illegal sellers, because most of the guys that are selling these this coal uh, are not registered. They don't, uh, the same rules don't apply to them. They don't make any contribution to the exchequer. So we're at a major disadvantage. When I mentioned price there, the current price roughly on a, on a bag of coal is around €40. Euro. But that's going to go up again, isn't it? Because we're going to see the carbon taxes increase in May, isn't it? And again later in the year. Yeah, the average at the moment is around €35 euro a bag. And, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty still in the marketplace as well. But we have another. So at the moment, um, a 40 kg bag of coal is has four euro 90 carbon tax on it. In May, it's going up another 90 cent a bag. And if the uncertainty continues, it's likely that coal will increase again for next season. And if that's going to happen, which it will, we'll see more of these smugglers offering cheaper products from the north to those in the Republic. Exactly. And this is why we're trying to engage and lobby the government at the moment, because if this continues, you will see an accelerated decline of legitimate fuel merchants in this country. And it will all end up in the black market where there will be no control, no regulation whatsoever. And it will cause horrendous problems down the road. For many who sell coal, many fuel merchants, do you need a license to sell coal and operate in the Republic? No, not at the moment. And as, a, as our, our most recent press release, we are calling for the introduction of um, a mandatory license system um, for all sellers of solid fuel uh, in the Republic. So we're looking for everyone to register with the EPA and have a license issued to sell fuel. If you and don't have a license, you shouldn't be allowed to sell fuel. Those then that are caught, perhaps coming from the north with no license, you'd be asking for their their business to be stopped, I suppose, and maybe the vehicle that they are, are, are travelling in to be to be impounded maybe and issued with heavy fines? Exactly. exactly. I mean, that's exactly what we're looking for. We're looking for the vehicle to be impounded, the stocking to be impounded and issued with heavy fines. Because at the moment, I don't think there's any prosecutions. There's very little enforcement or regulation. Uh, none of our members have had any inspections. We have an open door policy because we run our business right. I mean, so the same rules should apply to everyone. So anyone 
that is caught selling illegal fuels should be have severe penalties imposed on them. Coal merchants we have spoken to are fearful that this continues. They will go out of business because here we have to sell smoky coal. I think everybody acknowledges the entire island of Ireland will have to go green and, and that's why here in the south they're selling smokeless coal. I'm sure uh, in time the north will go the same road. But in the meantime, many coal merchants feel that they will go out of business due to these smugglers. And JP, this is why we've got together because some of our members have a downturn in their business versus last year, the year before, 60% or 70% back on sales. So it's having major problems and the viability of our business is being hit dramatically. And the fact that we have no regulation or enforcement either is it's, it's further compounding that problem for us. But also we do acknowledge that we, we do have to transition to greener energy. Uh, we're not climate change deniers by any means that the fact that we have changed in line with government policy is putting us in this position we have changed but there's no regulation or enforcement so this is where the problem lies we're doing everything that we're supposed to be doing but um, we're not being supported or backed up with enforcement or regulation and while many have gone to the local tds and written to the department what have you got back so far from the department of environment regarding this uh, well, at the moment, we're, as I say, we're very new. Um, we're running established since last October. Um, we're speaking to all our local TDs. We have fantastic support coming from all our local TDs, uh, all our politicians. Right. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Across the country, we're hoping to engage engage with um, the government over the next five or six weeks to start working together. We're looking to go into partnership um, and and support each other as we go forward. And wait and see what happens in the north and as well, well if their exactly, laws may yeah. change. Well, it's, it's, there's, a, there's a few different things we're looking for. We're looking for enforcement. We're looking for regulation. We're looking for a license system. Uh, we're looking for funding for, for our business as well because our business is affected solely because we are changing line with government policy. Um, and, and in the long term, um, um, our very existence is under threat through our targets for greener energy. So we will be looking for a sunset closure down the road as well from government. Something like we have seen with other industries, the example during the lockdowns, the way the tourism industry was helped out. Exactly, exactly. I mean, like, there's a huge amount of money being collected from uh, carbon tax every year from the sale of solid fuels. None of that money is coming back into the industry. So we will be looking, we'll be calling on the government to support um, our, our alliance. Well, we'll wait and see what happens over the next number of months for the moment, Colin. Thanks for joining us this morning on that. Hey, JP, thanks very much. Thank you. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 Tommy Maron, who has joined us on this show many times before, is bringing a new production to Cork called Celebration Ireland. Uh, Tommy is known from previous plays, the likes of It's the Real McCoy, Nobody is Talking to Me, and The Three Hail Marys. And Tommy joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Tommy. 
Hello, John Paul. How are you? I'm fine, and thanks for joining us. I think you'll get a lot of reaction to this production, Tommy, this time round. It's something that many people speak about, uh, so I'm sure you'll get a, a lot of people going along to this in the everyman. Uh, and do you feel from your work, I mean, you work on a show like this in County Mayo on Midwest Radio, do you think that we, the Irish, are afraid to celebrate everything about us in case we offend people who may be coming to this country to live? Uh, that's really what this stage show is based around. Yeah, I think there's an element of, you know, political correctness going over the top. I mean, you know, we we welcome people coming from other countries to our communities, to our towns and to our counties. But sometimes I feel that, you know, because we we have such a an attraction and a magnet to try and make these people feel at home and as welcomed as possible, that sometimes we tend to forget about our own traditions. And if you think about it, John Paul, you know, TV programs like Reeling in the Years is one of the most popular programs on RTE television. So, I mean, what that does effectively is that people the opportunity to think back on previous great memories of Ireland. So what I wanted to do was put together a variety show. I mean, I've done plays and I will continue to do them in the future, but I wanted to put together a show that celebrated everything about our Irishness, the people, the songwriters, the comedians, and put it on a stage and show the Irish as well as people maybe who don't even come from this country about the fact that we have a wonderful country of celebration. And that's what this show is all about. Yeah, and many would agree with you in some respect that we have forgotten to remember certain things that, as you mentioned there, reading in the years, a huge show uh, by RT, actually the producer of that show is from Lissarda uh, near McCroom. Uh, but the Irish cultures have in a way been forgotten about and some feel that they should not be. And I think those who come to live here would like to learn more about them. But I think it's in our own psyche that we, we are afraid that we will turn them away. Exactly. And, you know, people who've come to the show so far, because we're doing a nationwide tour, people from other countries say they've learned so much about the Irish culture from this two-hour stage show. Because what you've got is you've got a big screen in the centre of the stage. On the left-hand side of the stage, you have a four-piece band. And on the right-hand side of the stage, you have an acting area. So over the two hours, we remember... Now, you're far too young to remember a singer called Bridie Gallagher, uh, John Paul. But yeah, she I'm was actually from Creaselaw. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, she was from Creaselaw in County Donegal. And she was really the first major pop star in Ireland back in the 1950s. And she recorded songs like Goodbye Johnny Dear, The Whistling Gypsy, you know, A Mother's Love's a Blessing. So we do a tribute to the music of Bridie Gallagher. There was a songwriter called Percy French, and he was a comic songwriter. And he wrote songs like Come Back, Paddy Riley to Bally James Duff. Are you right there, Michael? Are you right? Eileen Ogue, Fill the Fluter's Ball and others. And we do a medley of, of his songs. We obviously do great songs of Christy Moore because Christy is our greatest balladeer of all. So we have a medley of his songs. We do an immigration song selection, things like The Isle of Hope, The, the Fields of Athenry from Clare to Here, The Mountains of Morn and so on. We also do a special tribute and this will be very special to the people of Cork, John Paul. Uh, we do a tribute to the great uh, revolutionary soldier and politician Michael Collins. We have a beautiful rendition of the song, Michael, in the show. And then we remember the musical artists who are no longer with us, the likes of Luke Kelly, Christy Hennessy, Brendan Grace, Liam Riley and Danny Doyle. And then there's a lovely section where we remember the, the songs we learned off Squilga going to national school, like Trasna Nadonta, Bajin Ailevi, uh, others like Dilly No Dallas and 
Rosh and the Bahawira. And these will all generate memories to the audience. We have a lovely monologue called In a Little Pub in London, an Irish dance. And then we got loads of comedy. We remember television shows like The Reardons, like Guard the Patrol, there's a very letter written by an Irish mother to her son in England. We have a farmer trying to talk to a machine the Department of Agriculture about his missing year tag. And we have a special comedy sketch called Dear Cranky, uh, remembering the great Frankie Byrne, uh, who used to solve everybody's problems on RT Radio back in the day. So that's just a sample of the kind of stuff we do. It's a real roller coaster, nostalgic two-hour show of music with buckets of comedy thrown in for good measure. And, you know, we always say we want the people to leave the theatre feeling proud to be Irish. And I think Celebration Ireland does that. Well, I think they will. I mean, you've included everything there uh, from over the last 40 to 50 years or more of Ireland. And you mentioned the live band there, Tommy. The Everyman is known for having live music and live stage performances. Uh, Some others would not be anymore, I suppose, having live bands on stage. There's something very unique about having the acting side of it, but also having that live band play uh, while you're on stage. Yeah, and you know, listeners may remember... uh, uh, thing called Tops of the Towns. It was kind of like a, a variety show where communities came together and they they competed against each other and the finals used to be broadcast on RTE television. And listeners will also remember Brendan Grace doing Sunday Night at the Gazing, where again, it was a variety show where you had music, you had comedy, you had a bit of dance, you had a bit of everything going on. And that's what this show is all about. And as you mentioned, the, the band, it's a four-piece band, no drums, no trumpets. It's all harmonies uh, with a piano. There are four wonderful singers and I think you know people are always blown away by the beautiful medleys that we put together, uh, which I mentioned earlier on. So yeah, you get the full Monty here, you get the comedy, you get uh, the music and you get the memories. And there's a lot going on in that. I mean, who, how many are involved in the production on stage while all this is going on? Believe it or not, seven in, oh. in total. We've got four in the band. We have a dancer, five. And then there's three of us who do all the acting uh, of, of all the comedy sketches. There's five comedy sketches in total. There's 38 segments in the show. So no segment lasts any longer than six minutes. Some are only two. Some are four. So like it's literally going from one thing to another to another to another and it just the two hours roll by really fast and you've already been on stage with this it's coming here to Cork to the Everyman on Thursday April the 20th Uh, what has been the reaction from people I mean were you worried first of all when you went along and asked that question the posing question are we at a point now in Ireland that we are afraid to celebrate our Irishness or were you afraid yourself of offending people uh, well, I wasn't really, because I know that our catchment audience uh, would be the audiences that would come to It's the Real McCoy or Three Marys or Nobody's Talking to Me. So, I mean, we have our base audience already in place. But I suppose what's different about this, John Paul, is that it's not a full-blown comedy play, which mm. is what I've been kind of synonymous with. But, and, but I did want to try something that's really different. But the audience reaction, and I'm not just saying it because it's easy to say, you know, is phenomenal. But it is. I mean, we meet the theatre uh, audience afterwards. Know, they'd forgotten about Dear Frankie or the sketch about the Bullock with the missing ear tag or the Reardons where Mary and Minnie are having a discussion about Tom having a medical problem. You know, they'd forgotten, you know, t- to remember all of these. And nostalgia is a great way to entertain people. There's an awful lot of laughs in it. In it as well. But I think people like in Ireland to laugh and to cry. And I think this show will give people a real 
overview of Ireland as we've known it for the last uh, 100 years, because as I say, we start the show by commemorating Michael Collins and then we move on to all sorts of other different things. So it's a show that I think people will really, really enjoy. Yeah, you mentioned nostalgia there. I mean, you know yourself, anytime you mention anything uh, going back 20 or 30 years, people love that. They love nostalgia and love hearing about things gone by. And you mentioned the Reardons there. And I suppose that that was a huge TV show uh, over the years and was preceded by, wasn't it, Bracken and then Glenroe uh, following that. And people still speak about Glenroe. I mean, you will still hear the Glenroe theme tune and people refer to it as the Sunday Night Fear heading into a new week again and people not having their homework done for the next day. The, Uh, The memories, I mean, it does bring people back back to a time when they were a child and they loved that. Yeah, and, and I, I think the highlight of the show for me is the section with the with the uh, Irish songs, the songs that people learned in school. I mentioned Trasna na Dunta, Bolgin Ailemi, Bileanach Amara, Dili No Dals, Orosha And as as the medley goes on, you can hear the audience sing it back as if they're back literally in their national school, um, you know, rhyming off those songs with their teacher. It's it's an incredible moment in the show, but there's a lot of incredible moments in it, and it's a show I'm really proud of. Yeah, and you don't hear those songs that much anymore so it's great to hear them again on a live stage uh, you're going to be in Cork so as I mentioned there Thursday April 20th you can get tickets from the Everyman you looking forward to coming back to Cork Tommy? Always love Cork and we always get a great crowd in Cork so hopefully they'll come out and support us it's for one night only normally we do two nights but uh, due to uh, pressures with, with calendars and diaries it's one night only as you say John Paul Thursday 20th of April everymancork.com that's where the tickets are and this is a real roller coaster trip down memory lane. So if you do like nostalgia and what we've spoken about there, and I remember all of those shows, uh, I would recommend to go along. But even if you don't, I mean, there's a lot of people that would not be aware of what you've mentioned there, Tommy. It might be no harm to go along and learn about those shows that were huge back in the well, 50s, you know, they 60s say, and 70s. They say every day is a school day, particularly <laughs> in is. our job, John Paul. And, <laughs> you know, I think that people who go along to this show, in fact, even younger people will get so much out of it because it will educate them about some of the people that maybe they had heard of vaguely in the past but didn't know very much about. So I think it's, it's a real educational show as well as entertaining. Yeah, true. And again, as I said, this in The Everyman, April the 20th is Thursday night and you can get tickets from The Everyman themselves or on their website. Before I let you go, Tommy, it's a big day uh, for many parts of Ireland. Uh, President Joe Biden, of course, in Belfast at the moment. He'll be making his way to Louth in Dublin later and then he's going over to where you are because you're the chat show presenter for the local station in Mayo, Midwest Radio. I do presume, Tommy, a busy time for you guys and a lot of excitement there in Mayo. Yeah, a lot of excitement, a lot of protocol as well, as you can imagine, John Paul, in terms of media accreditation, you know, where you can be, where you can't. And, you know, Mayo at the moment is full of helicopters. It's full of uh, Secret Service people going all over the place. He's going to come to, he's flying in on Air Force One into Knock on Friday afternoon. He's going to go to Knock Shrine. Then he's going to go to Enesco House in Cross Malina to check up on his, his routes then he's going to fly in, we understand, to uh, to St. Munich's Cathedral in Ballina on the banks of the Moy for his keynote address speech. And then he flies, or he's taken back, I should say, to Ireland West Airport, Knock, back on Air Force One, and he leaves from Knock and heads back to America in the late hours of Friday night. So we're going to have a marathon day on Friday. We'll be broadcasting live from Ballina from 9 on Friday morning right through until literally that plane takes off from Knock in the late hours of Friday night. So it's an exciting night, but there's a, as they say, a lot of T's to be crossed and I's to be dotted. Yeah, and Ballinad themselves, they are going all out. I mean, they'll be making American flags 
legs and bunting uh, for the United States over the last, I think, is it a month at this stage? And you can see uh, the interaction and the, the joy in people having uh, the president of the United States come to Ballina and going back to his roots. He's very proud of his roots there. Yeah, his great, great, great grandfather came from uh, just outside Ballina and he is very proud of his roots and he talks about it all of the time. And to many, he's saying that the, you know, the highlight of his trip here will be uh, to Ballina and like the choreography and the stage show that's going to be on. I mean, the Chieftains are playing the Coronas, uh, you know, lots of musical entertainment from half past five. He arrives around seven o'clock. So it's going to be a magical atmosphere. It's going to be covered live on American television all over the the United States. So what this means to Mayo and to Ballina in particular, I mean, you just can't buy this kind of publicity. And I reckon we're going to be snowed under with Yanks for a couple of years. (laughs) Well, you hope so anyway. I mean, you're right. It will bring uh, the pictures and the scenery and hopefully the weather will improve by the end of the week, but it will bring the the hills and the lakes and the scenery of Mayo right across, not only Mayo, but across the country to America. So you'd hope there'd be a knock-on effect anyway, Tommy. Absolutely not on effect. You know, we had the Pope come to Ireland West Airport not yeah. a number of years ago, and now we have a president. So I don't know. The only thing we're not getting in Mayo is the Sam Maguire. <laughs> that might happen, yes. You'll have to wait and see. Well, <laughs> Are you hopeful? Don't hold your breath. <laughs> yeah, I'd say we could be doing the same thing here. Like, you never know. We'll, we'll see what happens over the next yeah. few months. Uh, Tommy, thanks for joining us uh, this morning. Best of luck with your work on the uh, presidential visit, but more importantly, best of luck with the show and the Everyman on uh, Thursday, April. 20th and thanks for joining us. Thanks, John Paul. Take care. Uh, Tommy Marin there, uh, who is behind the production of that uh, production, which is coming to the Everyman on Thursday, April 20th. And we're asking and posing the question. It's called Celebration Ireland. And are we at a point where maybe uh, we are afraid uh, to celebrate our Irishness? Celebration Ireland, you can get tickets from that on everymancork.com or just contact the Everyman box office there on McCurtain Street. But a lot of texts in from something we mentioned, and this was earlier on, there was a few people asking what was... Uh, why was there a NATO ship uh, off the uh, West Cork coast in Bantry Bay off Woody Island and the Defence Force have come back and they say that that ship is sheltering because and due to the bad weather uh, which is hitting the coast and indeed across the country at the moment and the yellow wind warning in place now until three o'clock this afternoon. Uh, but on that, and I have double checked the NATO warship, which is a French one. It is still located in Bantry Bay, uh, just off Bear Island at the moment. Uh, but John uh, is not too happy because he heard the response that we got from the Defence Forces on this. And he feels that it's not correct, more or less. He says uh, the people need to be educated. He says, oh, my God, the paddies are some fools. There is a lot more going on out there. Uh, That's John's feeling on that. Well, we suppose we can only go on what we're given officially uh, from those who do look after the coast and those areas. And that is the Defence Forces in this case uh, and that ship. NATO warship it's still there and is is located off Bear Island but that's your view John you're welcome to that it's still located in Bantry Bay and your views are welcome on 0818 103 103 text or whatsapp 0862 103 103 Earlier we did speak to Colin Ahern Colin is representing the solid fuel merchants of Ireland and their worry of coal smuggling from Northern Ireland to the Republic and this is due to the cost factor and they don't blame people for doing it but obviously the cost of coal in the north and you can get smoky coal there as well because it's not banned in Northern Ireland is a lot cheaper than what you purchased here in the Republic and that is due to uh, VAT and excess duty and carbon tax that, that is on our smokeless coal here in this country and all our solid fuel 
And on that, a number of people reacting to this. First of all, Patrick is in McCroom. Patrick is asking why Colin and others in that industry are complaining about coal coming from the north. Patrick lived in Dundalk for years and everybody in that area would be going to Northern Ireland for petrol and indeed for coal. I suppose now it's turning into a business for some whereby there are people out there operating on websites and social media selling coal that that group of people are purchasing from the north which is then uh, being sold at a cheaper price and it is affecting the solid fuel operators in the Republic and those who your local coal man who's out every day uh, selling coal is now being affected by this uh, because they can't compete price wise with you could say the black market where somebody is selling on social media coal at a fraction of the cost because that is coming from Northern Ireland so that's why uh, this group have been formed and Colin is speaking on behalf of all those that sell solid fuel in the Republic and that's the reason for that. Uh, Theresa is in Banning and on the issue of smokeless coal that people have been speaking about and could be one of the reasons why those are travelling to the north or purchasing uh, smoky coal uh, from Northern Ireland that is not banned there yet. Uh, Theresa in Banning saying the smokeless coal is a waste of time. There is no heat out of it and this is why she can see people going north to purchase the smoky coal. And Fred on WhatsApp says if this green crowd wanted to do something useful why not remove VAT on carbon neutral briquettes making them cheaper than coal? People will naturally switch and local businesses would be saved. But the answer to everything is tax, tax and more tax. People are sick of it, says Fred. On WhatsApp to 0862103103. You can call Bernie with your comments on 0818103103. Those numbers as well for your gardening questions because Peter Doddle will be along from 12.30 answering all your gardening questions. If you have a question for Peter, get that into us. I see a few people have already uh, been sending us photos on WhatsApp. We have sent them on to to Peter to take a look at them and he'll get to all those after 12.30. Still on the way, we're going to hear about that protest that took place outside County Hall yesterday over Cork County Council's plans to close off the old and historic Keelbeg Pier in Union Hall and it's Cork today. Until 1, JP, until 1. Bernie taking your calls and comments and your gardening questions on 0818 103 103. Text or indeed WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Peter Doddle will join us after 12.30 answering all your gardening queries and also shortly we're going to hear about a protest that took place outside County Hall yesterday and this was over Cork County Council's plans to close off the old and historic Keelbeck Pier in Union Hall. We did speak with locals last week on that and they did say to us at the time that they would continue their protest. Last week they held a protest outside the local West Cork meeting in Skibbereen now they have taken it to County Hall to see if they can get things changed at the moment it doesn't seem anything is going to change but we'll hear from that protest uh, very shortly on the the programme along with your calls and comments and also uh, President Biden as we mentioned earlier he is going to be in the Republic maybe he's on his way now at this stage I would imagine Uh, and there's a lot of preparations underway we're going to hear about them in the next while also but if you were thinking of going to Funderland today due to the high winds and the yellow weather warning that is in place Funderland is going to remain closed today due to the weather warning but it will reopen again tomorrow Thursday so you can head up there tomorrow Thursday uh, on Funderland which will reopen then and John and Cove when we were discussing the concerns of people uh, who even though we got a response from the Defence Forces and this was on uh, this NATO warship which is located off the West Cork coast in Bantry Bay uh, near the Sheep's Head and near Bear Island is where more or less it is located at the moment and 
even though the defence forces say it is just sheltering from the storm. Uh, some people are questioning this. Uh, but John and Cove was watching the BBC News on Monday morning. And regarding uh, Joe Biden's visit to Belfast, the BBC, John says, reported that there is an American aircraft carrier off the west coast of Ireland here to watch Biden while he is visiting the coast or visiting the country. Well, the reason I suppose that is, if anything went wrong, at least they have access. Ireland, we still don't have a huge... Uh, presence when it comes to Navy or war or anything like that. Uh, Many will say we should not either because we are a neutral country but because of that when someone important like Joe Biden visits uh, they will have measures in place and you have seen the huge amount of security uh, that is following Joe Biden at the moment. You saw what was happening in Belfast. We've seen what is happening in Dublin and elsewhere in Ballina and in uh, Louth in Carlingford and Dundalk and there's huge measures underway which we'll hear about uh, shortly in more detail uh, from Marco Driscoll who will join us. Uh, he's a journalist with our sister station in Louth LMFM so we'll hear more about that in a while but thank you John for your call and I spoke earlier about Tupperware because Tupperware seemingly the party is going to be over and we were asking did you ever go along to a Tupperware party and Anne earlier one of our callers said she did and she remembers she, her memory of the Tupperware party was while you did go along and someone was trying to sell you Tupperware it was an excuse for the ladies of the house she said in the 70s and 80s to get away from the family, uh, get away from the children and spend time with their girlfriends and maybe have a glass of wine or have a chat and a catch-up. It was kind of hard to do that, she said at the time, because of the demands on women in the household and in life. And at that stage, families were bigger as well. So that's Anne's memory of it, an excuse to get away from the family, said Anne. And on this, somebody else says, Hi JP, talking about Tupperware parties, when I got married in 1974, I worked locally and people were always inviting me me to these parties. Uh, the trouble was, I could not afford to go, as often Tupperware was very expensive. I only threw some of it out a while ago, how times have changed. And yes, indeed, times have changed. And the reason why Tupperware uh, and the company that behind Tupperware are in trouble is really due to the way uh, that consumers are going when it comes to going green. And the demand for plastic now is reducing. Uh, many people are looking at other options when they want to either get takeaway food. And you'll see that if, if people go and get takeaway food, it's now more or less coming to you in a cardboard type box. And if people are going to work and bringing their food, they're finding alternative ways for this. And a lot of people, I suppose, are working from home as well. So there's less need to be buying items like Tupperware to go into the office and bring your own dinner or your own lunch with you. So that's one of the reasons they're giving. Also, you have the discount stores who have more or less copied them and produced their own uh, plastic containers uh, which then is taken away from what Tupperware once was. Anyhow, your memories of Tupperware parties are welcome to text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 or call Bernie on 0818 103 103 and Martin was on because he was. we were speaking earlier with the uh, Cork charity dog and the distressing news that they were telling us about the poor lurcher dog which a bypasser found across the weekend and unfortunately that dog passed away and they were telling us the story behind that and how there is an increase of abandoned dogs in this country and it led on to the conversation of we're going to see more dogs uh, being given to rescue centres and hopefully not abandoned but probably we will see that as well mainly because as people leave their homes due to the eviction ban lifting and many 
uh, landlords selling up. People are now looking for new accommodation, but not all rental accommodation will accept animals. And because of this, we could see uh, what some charities are describing as a pandemic of dogs uh, being left on roadsides and being handed back to rescue centres. And Martin was listening to this and he said some people uh, maybe listening in are finding themselves in, in this situation with an animal or indeed uh, maybe facing you know a job loss or a business collapse due to high debts or an eviction. Uh, but Martin says we hear so many stories of people that do go into a dark place. Uh, Martin says you should not go into any dark corners over this and maybe think everything is over when it's not. There is many options but one of those options is uh, primarily Martin is saying to talk and share your problems. It does help uh, talking to a good reliable friend or indeed to someone uh, for a second opinion on a situation will always help you and will always make you feel better so no matter what you are going through uh, Martin's advice today to people is there are options but to talk to someone without going down a dark hole. Just listening to some of our stories earlier on on the show and then there was an item this morning as well and this was to do with AI generation artificial intelligence and how some call centres and one of those mentioned earlier was AIR are going to turn to robots to improve customer care and instead of people waiting to speak to a customer advisor what will happen is you will get through to an automatic system and many will say you get through to that anyhow but this system will make life easier supposed to make life easier so if you're moving home or if you're changing a date for an installation it's a computer you'll be speaking to and they will change that for you without you having to wait in the line and speak to an actual operator how that will work we'll have to see I suppose in the future but that is what's going to happen and it's what a lot of companies are looking towards AI and somebody else has a text in here to say that uh, they saw that there's an AI generated newsreader uh, being uh, now in place in Kuwait uh, so the future is now and it is happening uh, so we all have to be careful and yeah every industry is going to be affected by this one way or another uh, so no matter what you work in the way IT is transforming it is for big businesses that are looking towards this type of automating system and AI is one of those things they are looking at and you see air already going down that route and others will follow and we'll have to wait and see the overall outcome of this if people will take to AI some people say you know they find it hard to get through to speak to a person anyhow so maybe it is a better option we'll wait and see uh, thank you for your calls and comments on 0862103103 by text or WhatsApp or indeed you can call Bernie keep those coming to us on 0818103103 now a protest took place outside County Hall yesterday and this is over Cork County County Council's plans to close off the old and historic Keelbeck Pier in Union Hall. Now, locals from Union Hall arrived in support of West Cork councillors who tabled a motion at yesterday's meeting. And it's asking the local authority to suspend their plans to restrict public access to any section of the pier until an alternative solution is found, as well as looking for funds so that repairs can be carried out. Now, the local authority has previously said it needs to be blocked off due to health and safety concerns. But a spokesman for the Keelbeg Piers campaigners, A. O'Donnell, who we spoke with on this show last week, he said he was not happy at yesterday's outcome at County Hall and he spoke with our reporter there, Katie O'Keefe. Absolutely disgusted. Union Hall has been let down yet again uh, by Cork County Council. Um, you know, they don't have a plan in place. They don't have a plan B. Uh, they're talking about now doing more studies and yet another report uh, before they move ahead and they're just going to railroad or try and railroad Union Hall community uh, and by blocking off the head of the old pier. So they're talking about putting an eight foot fence 
2.4 metre fence around uh, the last 20 metres of the pier, which is the only usable part of the pier for uh, boats and fishing community. Um, and, you know, visually it will be disgusting, uh, and yet they still don't have a plan in place for alternatives for the community. And for people who aren't in the community, but you just want to explain how important is this pier to the local community? Well, okay, the, the predominant... Um, people in Newton Hall are involved in the fishing community um, and if the pier is not structurally repaired and put in place then that community will be devastated. The main reason being is that actually acts as a breakwater for the fishing boats on the main pier uh, which they won't be able to hold boats to the main pier if that goes. Then you've got all the leisure community from angling, whale watching um, and pleasure boats and the the sailing fraternity coming over from uh, Dandor as well. So they'll lose that facility as well. So it's, it's right across the whole community. The people of Union Hall are united to stop this going ahead. That's A. O'Donnell, a spokesperson for the Keelbeg Pier campaigners who were protesting at County Hall yesterday. And Councillor Paul Hayes also spoke to our reporter Casey O'Keefe and he's outlining what councillors have received on their plans for the pier. He spoke to Casey at that protest yesterday at County Hall. The Chief Executive quoted various studies and reports have been taking place like since 1995 and again, little or no work has actually taken place on the old pier in Keelbeg. It's just hugely frustrating frustrating from our point of view and from more so from uh, the residents and stakeholders in Union Hall. Um, you know, the councillor stating that they have applied for grants that haven't been uh, given by central government. We're kind of challenging them on some aspects of that uh, and to prove to us that they have actually applied for certain grants. But we want to see actual tangible improvements done to the pier so that the uh, stakeholders, leisure users can enjoy it as we all did when we grew up. Uh, and I suppose... What, what did locals get from today's meeting? I think they understood the uh, frustrations that we have um, in dealing with uh, officialdom in the council chamber. Um, you know, we're at a logjam now. The, the council is unwilling to back down from uh, their plans to install uh, barriers, essentially cordoning off this uh, most of the pier. Uh, and we've asked, you know, for time. Uh, we felt was quite reasonable, uh, asking for, you know, time to reflect on this and give us time to uh, structurally examine the pier properly, and uh, as well as that, to, to try and find a source of funding that would allow us to invest and bring up the, the pier to a proper standard. But and these barriers, obviously, it was a fight today. Are the barriers going up? And you were told flat out the barriers are going up. Like, what's that going to do to the pier? Well, again, like there was no uh, pushing back from the, the, the chief executive and the officials here today. They certainly want to proceed imminently with their plan to install the barriers, which is hugely unfortunate. I mean, it is going to cordon off most of the pier. Uh, again, that uh, this facility isn't available to them on the main fishing pier. Uh, there's barriers and other... Uh, installations there in recent years and all the leisure users uh, anyone uh, you know wanting to use the smaller pier now are going to have a, f- a smaller area to deal with like it, I, I believe it'll be unworkable unfortunately Councillor Paul Hayes speaking to our reporter Casey O'Keefe at that protest in County Hall yesterday. In a statement to C103, Cork County Council Chief Executive Tim Lucy says a report in March 2020 found that the old pier is constructed of random core stone and has only had patchwork done in its 100 years. The deck was found to be in poor condition with multiple cracks and visible erosion and he had a responsibility to act. Tim Lucy says he wants to make it clear to public representatives and indeed 
locals that the safety barriers will be put in place as a safety measure. But the Union Hall uh, people feel they want access to their peer Akil Bakes. We'll wait and see what happens at that. But that's the latest anyhow regarding that situation there in Union Hall. On the way, we're going to hear about President Biden's visit today to County Louth and indeed uh, Dublin as well. And Peter Dotto will be along following that, answering all your gardening queries. By the way, if you're on the roads, it's still windy out there and a tree has just fallen as you turn off at the Drumahan Junction. And this is in Mallow. So when you're turning for Mallow breaks and you're turning off for Drumahan in that area of Mallow, a tree has just fallen there and you're asked to take care on that approach and also take care on any of the roads uh, that you were travelling on this morning. And by the way, Premier League Live. It's back on C103.ie with Trevor Welch. It's back this Saturday from midday powered by TalkSport and we'll bring you live coverage of Aston Villa taking on Newcastle at 12.30, Chelsea take on Brighton at 3 and Man City take on Leicester at 5.30. The Premier League Live online with Harvey Norman, your home of the big screen. Listen Saturdays on the C103 app or go to C103.ie The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie Ballyhay Farm Fest will take place in the summer it's going to go ahead on Sunday the 9th of July into the Charnival showgrounds but they are looking for contestants now to take part in Cork's Fittest Farmer Challenge teams of five limited to ten teams uh, with prizes of up to 500 euros and fuel vouchers for team members you can register now by emailing ballyhayfarmfest at gmail.com Blarney and District Historical Society they will host Jim Fahey speaking on the special language of traditions of stonemasons it's going ahead this Thursday at 8 o'clock in Blarney Secondary School and McCroom Flower and Garden Club will host a floral demonstration by Melanie Harris it's going ahead on this Thursday at 8 o'clock in Coolcower House in McCroom and it's entitled Spring to Life and a fundraising music night will be held in Butlerstown Hall on this coming Friday it starts at 8.30 p.m. Local musicians will play on the night and all musicians are welcome. It's all in aid of the Maloney family from the Barry Row area who lost their home in a recent fire. And if you want to include your event in the Cork Diary, then email diary at c103.ie. Cork Today on C103. US President Joe Biden is in Belfast today before visiting Loud, Dublin and Mayo. And as the excitement builds in these locations, I'm joined by Marco Driscoll from our sister station in Loud, LMFM. Hello to you, Mark. Morning, JP. How are things? I'm fine and thanks for joining us. Uh, President Biden due to visit Carlingford and Dundalk this afternoon. I'm sure plenty of excitement in Loud today for this. Absolutely, yeah. Reaching fever pitch now at the moment, I suppose. It's been a long-awaited visit in many regards because it has been on the cards for so long. So the excitement has been building over the Easter weekend. And indeed, I'm actually making my way into Dublin to join the press corps before we'll be bussed out later to the Cooley Peninsula and then on to Dundalk as well. Are there plans as well later in Dundalk for a walkabout? Yes, well, Joe Biden will first be visiting Carlingford this afternoon to get a tour of King John's Castle. So that's a magnificent Norman-built castle that was built back in the 12th century. Mr. Biden's expecting to get a tour of the castle first and then head into Carlingford for a bit of a walk around. He'll hear about his great-great-grandfather, Owen Finnegan, who actually left Cooley for the US in the late 1840s before settling in and around New York. 
Now, he also has Irish roots as well, including the Carnies from County Louth. And the last time he was here with us, he visited a family grave in Kilwara Cemetery in Templetown as part of that visit. Now, that's not on the cards this time round. After Carlingford, he'll be heading into Dundalk. He's expected to do a bit of a walk around the town centre. Now, we're expecting that this evening could be any time from 7, 8 o'clock onwards. So they're saying mid to late afternoon, but I think that's kind of... Um, late evening, early tonight in our books. And you mentioned there his connections to the Cooley Peninsula. Will he be meeting any family members or distant family members there or will he have a chance to do that? I believe he will. There's a local councillor here in County Loud who's actually the fifth cousin of President Biden and she's um, Andrea McEvitt. She's met up with President Biden numerous times. So herself and some other family members are going to be meeting him today along uh, between the two places, Carlingford and Dundalk. Now, of course, we've been speaking to lots of business owners over the last couple of days as well. And, you know, they're very excited, I suppose, also number one, from the actual visit today, but also the economic benefits that the, the visit may bring to the region later on. And I'm sure during the summer, there'll be lots of people traveling over from the US to see where, where the president is from and also uh, to retrace the steps of the visit that he carried out uh, today and tomorrow. Of course, there will be a lot of American TV en route to Louth as well today. So they will be filming footage going back to America. Also, I read earlier on this morning in one of the papers that there's a pub along the Cooley Peninsula who has a Guinness, a pint of Guinness, but it's the Guinness Zero Zero ready for him because, of course, he doesn't drink. But at least there may be a photo op if he does hold the non-alcoholic Guinness in his hand anyhow. Absolutely. Yeah, look, I'm sure there's going to be some poignant pictures taken over the next couple of days. You're going to have that kind of standout image. Um, I remember when Queen Elizabeth was was visiting Cork a few years back and you had that picture, um, wasn't it, in the English market, you know, so maybe yeah. there'll be a picture like that as well with a... Uh, that that'll long live in the memory from the visit to the, the Cooley Peninsula and also Dundalk. I would presume at this stage you guys have noticed the high security in the area. We've seen pictures of manhole covers being sealed over and a lot more activity. Yeah, do you know, over the Easter weekend, it was building from kind of Saturday, Sunday onwards. Marine One could be sighted above the skies or in the skies above here, as well as the Chinook helicopters. They were seen landing and taking off in one of the local GAA pitches and also Dundalk Institute of Technology. I think they were trialling the run. President Biden is expected uh, this afternoon to fly from Belfast to Dublin and then helicopter up from Dublin to Louth. Now, I know Met Aaron has issued a warning as well that it's meant to be very windy today and uh, there could be a wind warning in place so that helicopter ride could be put in jeopardy. But at the moment, that's the plan anyway. So, you know, we you could see the helicopters in the skies. They were obviously not leaving anything to chance. Uh, I know that there was some former Secret Service agents speaking to the media over the weekend as well. And they were saying, regardless of Ireland's neutrality or how safe the country might seem, they're not leaving anything to chance. They won't be leaving any stone or manhole cover unturned um, today in Dundalk or sorry yesterday in Dundalk a number of manhole covers were being sealed all the public bins were being sealed off as well uh, you know it really is a massive operation and I'm, I'm sure it's costing millions of dollars and euros. With the large crowds expected across this afternoon in both areas plenty American flags and bunting across Loudso. 
Yeah, the bunting, the bunting has been going up since yesterday. I, I know that the public have been welcomed to today's visit, especially in Dundalk, where he's going to do a walkabout around the, the market square, the town centre area. So the public are welcome to come along, but you know, they have been warned to expect delays, take public transport where possible, and also not to bring any bags with them because you know, for security reasons, they will be searched and it will add to, to, to delays. Uh, so the public very welcome to come along today, uh, but just to be aware of the restrictions that are going to be in place. Best of luck, Mark, with your coverage uh, when you're out and about uh, looking and covering his visit later. And thanks for joining us uh, this afternoon. Thanks, JP. We might try and get a picture of President Biden with that point to zero zero Guinness for you. <laughs> Do that if you can. <laughs> you send it on our way. Appreciate that. Uh, thanks, Mark. That is Mark O'Driscoll. And Mark is a journalist with our sister station, which broadcasts across Louth and Meath, LMFM. Want to know what's happening in Cork? You're in the right place. This is Cork Today on C103. And it's extremely windy and heavy rain in many parts of Cork this afternoon. There's a tree down on the main Mallow to Drumahan Road uh, so cars can't pass on that roadway at the moment. Also electricity outages in a number of areas. Still in areas of Bantry, electricity is out as it is in areas near Ahakista, the old head of Kinsale and Balguli. Uh, ESB networks are working on this and power due to be restored later uh, this afternoon and many areas of Cork road conditions not great due to that heavy rain so a lot of people asking people just to slow down and light up if you're on the roads on this Wednesday afternoon and also hello to Margaret in Dernagree who says JP I saw two swallows flying around my house today I didn't expect them to see them so early they must be disappointed with the weather we are having today indeed <laughs> Margaret but thank you for your text there from Dernagree C103 Gardening with the Mallow Home and Garden Festival May 26th to 28th at Cork Racecourse Mallow. It's too big to miss. And we're joined as we are usually every Wednesday afternoon by our C103 gardener, Peter Doddle. Afternoon <coughs> to you, Peter. Good afternoon, JP. How are you? I'm fine and thanks for joining us. It's a wet one out there. We're just going through the different weather conditions and uh, trees down and electricity out in many parts of the county. But still, we have a lot of gardening questions, so we'll get straight into them because quite a few have come in over the course of the morning, Peter. And the first one, I hope you've done your homework on this because we sent you two pictures uh, from a listener. And this is uh, the listener who sent in pictures of, first of all, they have sprayed their apple trees with copper sulphate, but the leaves have turned yellow and black. They want to know if this is okay or have they damaged them and could they spray them with something else? No need to spray them with something else. The second part of that question, they, they say that they are the second part of that. They, they explain that they're quite high and open to the wind. And I think what's happened to the, the photograph I saw is the is the very new tips, the growing tips of the apple where those tender shoots, they, it does look like wind burn. So I, I wouldn't worry too much because it's not a whole pile you can do about it. Um, pay attention. I, I'm not sure how established those apple trees are, whether they're relatively new or not, but I would pay attention to, dare I say it on a day like today, but watering them. Uh, obviously, nature is taking care of it at the moment, but it does look to me a bit like windburn. So I wouldn't be in any rush to, to spray them with anything. No, just, just let nature take its course. And then the second part of the question, they sent you a picture as well on this, and they're looking for recommendation. And this is to do with what can they set next to a conifer which has got burnt from the wind on one side. You mentioned that the wind there and the reason this is happening is because they're south facing. They're also near the sea, but they're quite high up. 
I'm I'm a bit I'm a bit um, on two fences on this one. They they are as as they say they're near the sea and they're very exposed to the wind. But that's an established conifer and an established hedge. So if the wind was causing a problem, it would have been causing a problem since the very day, first day that it was planted, and not just suddenly now. So that actually looks to be unless they cut the conifer back quite hard, perhaps they did, in which case, yes, it, it would it's wind damage. But it's more likely to be some kind of fungal infection by the look of it, as I say, because it's an established hedge, it's unlikely that the wind would cause trouble all of a sudden. So uh, I would perhaps look at planting something in front of it that would be very wind resistant, like maybe an O'Leary bush or, or another one. It's a mouthful of name, but it's fabulous for wind. And it's Eliagnus. Eliagnus is a lovely one. It would cover what the, the, the damage behind uh, and, and that should tolerate any amount of wind. OK, hopefully that helps you there to that person on WhatsApp. Uh, Peter, John is in Mallow and he is a north facing wall. He wants to know, can he grow sweet pea flowers against this or will they need more sunlight? They'll, they'll need more sunlight. I'd love to say yes, but no, unfortunately, they need a lot of sunlight. You could you could try it. I mean, some north-facing walls, if they're open to the east and west, they might get enough sunlight. But if, if it's a shaded north-facing wall that isn't getting much sunlight, no, they won't do well, unfortunately. OK, and somebody on text is asking, can they still set strawberries indoors? No, absolutely. I mean, you can set strawberry plants whenever you want, really, because they're grown in pots. Uh, and if you're growing them indoors, I mean, absolutely. You'll just have an earlier crop. Absolutely, yeah. And Trish is in Drumahan. Now, Trish grew pumpkins last year. The pumpkins she grew, they were inside her tunnel, uh, but they took up a lot of space. She wants to know, can she grow them outside this year or do they need to be grown inside? No, they can, of course, be grown outside. Again, similar to the strawberries. If if you grow them indoors, you'll have that much of an earlier crop <clears throat> and perhaps even a healthier crop. But yeah, they do, <coughs> excuse me, they do take up an awful lot of space. So yeah, I, I would grow them outside, definitely. And mentioning tunnels there, John Joe is in Boherbui. He wants to know, Peter, how would you go about cleaning the plastic inside the tunnel? Uh, what kind of detergent is safe to use and how can he stop the birds from making holes in the roof of his tunnel, which is becoming a, a nuisance for him, I'd imagine? Stopping the birds is a harder problem. I'm not I'm not sure I have a magic wand on that one, I'm afraid. <laughs> could maybe try putting something on the plastic you know like that the the flutters in the wind like to scare them off um but i've no magic wand to that one but there are there are several uh environmentally sound cleaning products out there i know nature safe is a brand name that does one for cleaning glass houses and polytunnels so keep an eye out for that and that'd be a good one to use Okay, and uh, just on the cleaning, then I have another actually question about that as well. If you use the wrong detergent to clean the inside of the plastic tunnel, can that do harm to the to what's growing inside? I presume it can. Then that's from Margaret on, on a similar question. Well, it can, yeah. Particularly if you're, if you're using some kind of bleach or anything, yeah. if it drips onto to what you're growing or or even onto the soil, it can damage it. Yeah. So I mean, a lot of these detergents, as we know, contain quite harmful products. So you would want to look for a for um uh, an environmentally sound one or an organic one, if possible. Okay, somebody on text asking, is this the correct time, Peter, to cut Red Robin? Mm, bit late, really. We're into April now. Apart from anything, under the Wildlife Act, we're not allowed to cut, cut them back now, particularly if it's a hedge because of nesting season. And a mature Red Robin could well have birds nesting in it, so I would be very, very careful. Um, your next window of opportunity really is is kind of mid-September, coming into the winter. I don't even want to talk about the winter now because we haven't had the summer yet. But uh, coming into the winter, kind of end of September is your time to do it. Or failing that uh, at the, the, the other end of the winter, which is kind of January, February.
Okay, Mary is in Glantan. Now, she replanted her rhubarb plants last autumn as well because they weren't producing any fruit for her at the time. Now, they're growing at the moment and they're growing well, but she said, can she pick the fruit this year or should she let it alone and let this rhubarb plant establish itself better? With rhubarb, if it's establishing, you'll get plenty of people who disagree with me on this now. But with rhubarb, I think they're tough as old boots, and they once they're in a ha- once they're happy in their position, they'll establish away. So I would certainly feel free to harvest it uh, now. Yeah, absolutely. There are people who will say don't, but but um, but so it's a matter of opinion. But I would have no problem harvesting it now. Yes, if it's giving a good crop. Yeah. Okay. Best of luck with that, Mary. And uh, Don is in Mayfield. He wants to know what can Peter suggest for his lawn, the middle of his lawn. The grass seemingly looks burnt the whole time he doesn't know why this is uh, any suggestion on what he can do to improve the middle and the centre of the lawn that looks burnt it's like the grass I is did, dead that'd be, that, that, that's a difficult one to answer now on on radio without seeing it JP mm. you really need to see a picture but maybe send us in a picture and we'll have a look at it or there are of course plenty of lawn experts like the lawn doctor out there who, who might call out and have a look at it um, but yeah I, I wouldn't hazard a guess without seeing it to be honest with you OK if you can WhatsApp that in to us Dan and we'll see or Don even and we'll see if we can uh, pass it on to Peter and he'll have a proper look for you Mel is in Mallow uh, Mel wants to know can he grow figs outside in Ireland and what type should he get is that as possible? You can grow figs very successfully outside in Ireland. Uh, a good warm south-facing or west-facing wall, plant them near that, so it traps the heat during the day. Uh, there's one called brown turkey, which is a very successful one to grow. Uh, and there is nothing like the taste of fresh figs. They're really one of the nicest fruits to take off the tree. Just be careful with fresh figs uh, later in the summer, kind of as the summer's turning to autumn. Do be careful when you're when you're when you're putting your hand on one because there could well be wasps around them. So just be careful of that. But apart from that, look for ficus brown turkey, and it will grow very very successfully. Yeah. Okay, Dan is in Rothmore. He planted some dahlias last year, but the leaves were all eaten despite spraying them. What would Peter suggest to protect them if he planted some more this year? From Dan in Rothmore. There's plenty of things you could use, like barrier products, to prevent slugs and snails getting at them. So you you can use like a sheep's wool pellet to go around the dahlia plants, which which just creates a surface that the slugs and snails can't get over, John Paul. So it doesn't mm. kill them. And in the garden, I'm always talking about the importance of the natural balance, and what that means is. If we can maintain a healthy variety of species in the garden, that should prevent the unnatural buildup of any one. So what I mean by that is the the, the natural predators for slugs and snails are, are hedgehogs and the larger birds like thrushes and things like that. So we don't want to kill them because that will end up killing the hedgehogs and the birds as well. So if we can protect our plants by using a barrier product, you're leaving a healthy supply of food for your hedgehogs and your, your birds, uh, but at the same time, you're keeping your dahlias safe. There's another very good one, which is based on oyster shells. It's like crushed oyster shells. Again, they just can't get across it. Or even using a slate mulch, if you can get a slate mulch uh, and put that around your dahlias. Again, the slugs and snails find it very difficult to get over it. You can also, of course, use little slug traps, which have have beer inside them, and the, the, the alcohol in the beer attracts the slugs and snails. Uh, and and they drown in that. So there's plenty of ways you can control it without putting out uh, damaging methaldehyde slug pellets. There are, of course, slug pellets which are safe to use, which contain ferric phosphate or iron phosphate. They're very safe to use uh, because they they don't damage surrounding surrounding wildlife, but they will will kill the slugs and snails. So that's what I do.
Okay, best of luck there, Dan, in Rathmore. Helen has been in touch. Now, Helen has noticed kind of a woolly substance on her apple tree and it's becoming worse for her over the last number of years. Is there a spray she can use to get rid of it and what could it be? It's, uh, it's most likely woolly aphid, which is the, the, the larvae of the aphid, which is, it looks like this cotton wool. I, I wouldn't be going out and spraying it because you'll be eating it. You, you know, you'll be eating the apple. Mm-hmm. So obviously you don't want to spray it with any chemical. Get out, being, being honest with you, if you just go out there with a, with a kind of a good enough brush and brush it off or even hose it off with a powerful hose, that's probably your best course of action, to be honest with you. Okay, Helen, best of luck with that. And uh, yeah, we got through them all, Peter. That's the, the lot for today. You were in photo last week. Just how did that go? Um, Emer has been on. Yeah, she we was were, there. We, she enjoyed it. We, we, uh, and the connection between animals and plants she found fascinating. Good. We've had a busy week, actually. Mm. We started off with the, oh, last Saturday up in Elizabeth Fort, uh, which was very interesting. We're in t- talking about the importance of... of um, of letting nature into our towns and cities instead of keeping it out with concrete and stainless steel because nature plays such an important role, JP, in in everything. And I mean, I mean, particularly apt in Cork and today's weather, things like roof gardens and green walls will, will play a huge, have a huge impact in alleviating flood damage in, in Cork City. Not just, and this isn't me just making things up, this is, you know, proved in, in big cities like Berlin and London, it reduces the, the, the flood damage. Uh, and then on on uh, was it Tuesday I think or Wednesday I can't remember now yeah, we were down yeah. at Fota and we had yeah. a great talk about the connection between the plant species and the animal species in Fota and how it's all connected now I'll be giving more talks and walks in in, um, in Fota over the next couple of months so, so stay tuned to my own social media the Irish Gardener and Fota's social media obviously and they'll they let you know when we have more talks on that coming up but it was interesting uh, and of course just, just such a fascinating place down there in Fota. Yeah it is yeah it's really a fascinating place and Emer and her gang enjoyed that anyhow last Wednesday for the moment Peter thank you and we will chat to you next week that is Peter Doddall theirishgardener.com you'll find him on or indeed under the Irish Gardener on Facebook and indeed on Insta so my thanks to Bernie who produced I'm John Paul McNamara enjoy your Wednesday afternoon